Would you open your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts? Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, which in the pew Bibles around you, the blue ones that look like this, find the passage on page 917. I love a good interview. Which is why I love podcasts, because you get as many interviews as you could possibly want in any given week. But I love a good interviewer. Someone who just seems to kind of know the right questions to ask, to roll with the way the conversation is going, and to ask the exact right questions. And I love interviews of people who have been through things that just, that just invite questions like, what was that like? When you won that race, what did that feel like after all the work you put in? When, when you were in that situation thinking maybe the end was close and rescue unexpectedly came, what did it feel like to know that you were safe? I love the what was that like questions the people who have gone through amazing things. This morning in Acts 9, I want us to approach a story that begs questions of the subject that is here, Saul. I want us to ask him questions about what was it like the day on the road to Damascus where he met Jesus. I want us to interview him and ask him four main questions. First, Saul, where were you going when you met Jesus? Second, what did Jesus do for you, Saul? Third, Saul, where did you go after, or sorry, third, why did Jesus save you, Saul? Fourth, Saul, where did you go after Jesus saved you? Those are the four questions we're going to interview one of the most Notable persons in the Bible. You might know him as the Apostle Paul. But this is where his story with Jesus seemingly begins. And having interviewed Saul. I want us to leave space for him to in turn ask us some questions of his own. So let's begin in one of the most notable stories of grace ever told. This is an interview you don't want to miss out on. Imagine the man who lived this story, Saul, is here with us. That we get, to, we get to ask him these questions and have him tell his story to us. Saul, where were you going when you met Jesus? Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. But Saul, breathing threats and murder... 
against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul, where were you going? I was on the road to imprison followers of Jesus, Saul would tell us. I was going wholeheartedly as an enemy of Jesus Christ. Opposed to everything that people said about him. Opposed to what his disciples were saying about him. Opposed to the message that was claiming that the Messiah, the chosen son of God, had come to earth to save sinners. That he had come to fulfill all the law. To bring us into righteousness. To bring us into life with God forevermore. I was coming as the number one public enemy on the way to Damascus to shut it all down. That's where I was going. I had men with me. I had armed men with me probably. Perhaps I had shackles and chains with which to bind. The Christians I found. I was ready. Ready to go in any house. Ready to ransack any synagogue. Ready in what I thought to be a zeal for what was right. Ready to stand and kill and imprison Anyone who claimed to follow Jesus. That's where I was going, Saul would tell us. What did Jesus do for you, Saul, then, we ask, our second question. Verse 4. And verse 3. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice But seeing no one, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go. For he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me 
so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. What did Jesus do for you, Saul? Well, Saul would first, I think, say, he overpowered me. He interrupted me. He stopped me. I was going one way, and in the way I was going, he met me and prevented me from going any further. His will conquered my will. His power proved superior over my authority. I had letters, I had chains, I had guards. I had purpose, and Jesus stopped me in all of them. The sovereign king overpowered me. That's what Saul would say. He would tell us, I think, of the unbelievable sight it was to witness a light, as he says in another part of Scripture, brighter than the sun. A glory of which he knew nothing about until this moment. That completely surrounded him and overtook him. That rendered him blind in an instant. And he would tell us about what it was like to hear a voice thunder from heaven. Identifying himself as Jesus. The risen and ascended Lord. What did Saul do for you? What did Jesus do for you, Saul? Saul would say, he overpowered me, he interrupted me, he confronted me, and he took me as his prisoner. Did you notice that? Saul going to imprison Christians ends up being led away blind, needing someone else to take him by the hand to show him where he needs to go. And instead of coming to Damascus as the imprisoner, he comes to Damascus as the imprisoned. Who has taken him captive? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus imprisoned me, Saul would say. He rendered me like a prisoner of war, blind, in the dark, unable to know where I was going, unable to know where my meal would come from, with a great anxiety, perhaps, and a fear of what was about to happen. There he sat, praying, not eating, not drinking, waiting. What did Jesus do for you, Saul? Jesus allowed me to sit in darkness for three days, wondering who it was I had just met. But then... Saul would have to tell us, and maybe he would even be too excited to keep himself from getting here before this in the, in the conversation. But then Jesus allowed me to see him and hear him and know him. The blindness did not last. The servant came to explain that Jesus was the one who had met me, that his Holy Spirit had come to be given to me, that the blindness I experienced was only temporary, and the new sight I was being given was given to me to see what was really true, 
that Christ is Lord, that the one I had been opposing was the King of Kings, that the one I had struggled against was in fact the Savior for me. And Saul would tell us, though he couldn't probably explain why in total terms, Saul would say, what did Jesus do for me? He saved me. He saved me from my hellbound race. He saved me from persecuting him. He saved me from making a waste of my life with all my zeal for the law. He saved me from being misdirected and misguided. He saved me from taking other lives who were those who followed Jesus. He saved me from all the destruction of that life against God. And he brought me by his grace into the life of Jesus Christ. Where I could know him and receive his blessing and receive life in his name. Jesus saved me, Saul would tell us. Third question for Saul then, why did Jesus save you, Saul? Why? Look at verse 15 and 16 again. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Why did Jesus save Saul? Because he chose to. Because he chose Saul. Yes, Jesus chose his number one enemy to show love and grace to. Yes, Jesus chose a man who was who was bent On destroying Jesus' name and testimony and witness. He saved that man. Yes, Jesus saved a man who murdered other people. Yes, Jesus saved a man who oppressed the lowly. And yes, Jesus saved a man who was executing injustice across his known region. A man who was feared for his animosity, a man who was known for doing harm. Yes, Jesus saved that man. Why? Why did Jesus choose that man? To show that he is a savior who shows great grace to sinners like us. Jesus chose Saul the same reason he would choose any of us. Not because of what we've done. Not because of our merit. Not because of the favor we have with him. Because we're born into a Christian family. Not because we have done a litany of good religious acts. No, it is quite the opposite. Jesus showed grace to Saul because he looked on him as a sinner. And noticed and knew that he needed rescue. It was the only way. And that is what Jesus chose to do. That is the Jesus that we proclaim this morning. In case you're unfamiliar with him. In case maybe you have in your mind ideas about who Jesus is. Maybe as a, just a good moral teacher. Or maybe a good guide or a good example. Or maybe even as a propagator of bigotry. Maybe as a person who essentially was misguided and died a tragic death. 
Now, I want you to see that Jesus is one and the same, the one who interrupts and overpowers, and yet in great kindness shows grace to undeserving people like us. Why did Jesus save you, Saul? Because he chose to show me grace, Saul would say. And that's where, that's all I can say. But Saul could also say that Jesus saved him for a purpose. That's told to Ananias when Ananias is fearful to go into the house of the one who had been imprisoning Christians like Ananias. He asks God and God and Jesus says, go because I have a purpose for Saul. I not only have intentions to show him my grace, but through him I intend to demonstrate my grace to others. I have picked him out to place him on a purpose that he will tell the gospel to people who have not heard it. People in high position, people in low position. People who oppose me, people who don't know me. I will send him to go and tell of my grace to others. Why did Jesus save you, Saul? Because Jesus had a better purpose for my life. Instead of using it to oppose me, I set him apart and used to use him to go proclaim me so that others might know my grace too. Jesus saved Saul out of his grace and out of a purpose to take the gospel. And we stand here studying this text because God in Jesus made that gracious choice. We're hearing the story of Saul because Jesus was gracious to Saul. We're hearing about the gospel through Saul's testimony because Jesus chose in grace to pick out one who was against him, to make him for him, so that he would go and proclaim the gospel that's been handed down to us. Praise Jesus for his grace and his purpose to show us grace. Fourth question. Saul. Where did you go after Jesus saved you? Verse 19. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying. He is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said. Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? Of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased the more, all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they didn't believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Saul, where did you go after Jesus saved you? And Saul would tell us, wherever Jesus led me. 
I went to speak about him to anybody who would listen and tell them how the Son of God is Jesus, how he is the Messiah sent to rescue us from sin and death. I told anybody who would hear. I even told people who wouldn't hear. I went to suffer with Jesus, and I went to suffer for him. Persecution against me, like the kind I was Carrying out against others came against me the instant identify, I identify with Jesus Christ. It began to cost me everything I once had. All my status, all my privilege, all my standing, all my wealth, all my comforts, all of them began to be taken away because Jesus was now mine. I went to suffer for him. I went to suffer with him. And I went where he sent me. I went back to Jerusalem. I tried to speak about Jesus. They wouldn't hear. And so in God's kind providence, he took me to a place where Jesus needed to be preached, which was different from where I was from. I gave up my community. I gave up my friendships. I gave up my relationships. And I went. And I went gladly because I wanted to preach and speak about the name of the one who had rescued me from death and destruction. I went wherever he took me. I went wherever he led I think at this point in the interview, we might have more questions for Saul. But Saul, I imagine, interrupts me and says, wait, before this interview is over, I'd like to take the opportunity to ask some questions of you, my hosts. Question number one that Saul has for us. Where are you going? I told you where I was going. Where are you going? What road are you on? What are you giving your life for? Who are you living for? Have you met Jesus, the sovereign king? Have you been interrupted by his power and his kindness to overpower your will, to make you his captive? Have you known The salvation that comes when being imprisoned by Jesus. Have you had your thinking completely rearranged by him? Have you come to understand what is really true because he has given his spirit to you to see what is true? Have you become acquainted with what it means that he is generous and abundant in grace to sinners? That he welcomes you though you have rebelled against him and fought against him your life until today. Have you understood that he takes you and gives you a new course and forgives you of all your sin. And places you in a new position with him. His child, his son, his daughter and walks you out into a, a way of life. Have you known that divine interruption in your life? Where are you going? Are your steps headed? Like mine were, Saul would ask, towards destruction and you don't even know it? Does death await you for your rebellion against Jesus? Where are you going? Regardless of your story, whether you are currently running away, running toward evil, running against Jesus' purposes of your life, or whether you were at one point running away, but you can say now that you aren't any longer because of Jesus' grace. We are all at one point in our life running from him, opposed to him. Christian, 
who has been kindly and lovingly interrupted in your path, remember today how far you had gone the other way when Jesus found you. Do not forget it. If it's slipping from your memory, the, the moment he interrupted you or the time you saw it all change, your allegiances go from death to Christ. Do not let that memory slip. Hang on to it. Remind yourself of his gracious work in your life. That he found you when you were most lost. That he came to you when you wanted nothing to do with him. That was the moment salvation dawned on your life. And it was all his grace. Rejoice in the grace of Jesus who meets sinners who's opposed to him. Rejoice in that. Remember how loving Jesus was to interrupt your rebellion. And bless him for it. And if you're not a Christian, Saul is here because he is about as far as anyone could conceivably go against Jesus. And still proves as an example to us that nowhere is too far. That Jesus cannot find you. No sin is too great that he cannot forgive. If he chooses to, he can meet you even where you are today. If you find yourself to be so lost, so far down the road of sin. That you don't know which way is up or down and you don't know where to turn Today, cry out to the risen Jesus who sees you and knows you and knows exactly where on the road you are and ask him to meet you there. Interrupt your life and bring you and lead you to his new way. Where are you going? Second question Psalm might have is, has Jesus saved you? Has he saved you? Well, there's one way you can know that. For all of us, there's one way we can know that. Is it an emotional high we felt? Is it a bright blinding light like Saul? Is it hearing a voice from heaven that will confirm and assure in our hearts that Jesus Christ has in fact taken us as his own? No. No. All you must know To know this grace. To know the assurance that he's saved you. All you must know is to hear his gospel. And to respond to it in faith and repentance. That's all you have to know. So if you don't know it, let me tell you. The risen Jesus that Saul encountered had come here to earth. He had come here as the son of God to live perfectly, righteously, In every way fulfilling God's good commands that God had given to all of us to help us enjoy a life of perfect pleasure and enjoyment of him. But we all in our sin at some point or other and in small ways and in big ways, we all chose that that law was not for us. That we wanted our own way and we stepped out from underneath God's good rule and we tried to make a rule of our own and we made a mess of our lives. But Jesus in his wonderful love came to this earth to obey where we have been disobedient and to die a death that we deserve to die for our sin against God and to rise in victory over death which would have held us cursed forever. Jesus gave his life for our own, a substitute in place of our sin, his life for our life, his death for our death. And because of what he has done, 
He coming out of the grave, ascending to heaven, where he sits now enthroned, willingly and gladly gives of himself, gives his forgiveness, gives his righteousness, gives his spirit to anyone who recognizes outside of him we die, in him we live. Anyone who looks on his death and his resurrection and believes that he is the one who has died and risen for them, that is all you need to be saved. Believe on Jesus and you will live. Turn from the life of sin that was taking you the other way and trust him to lead you in his way that leads to life. That's it. If you have trusted in him, if you have turned from your sin, if you are doing that again today, you can say, yes, Jesus has saved me. And you can walk in that until the day he comes back for you. He has shown us grace and that is all we need. Christian, Church, Saul would ask us to encourage us. Why did Jesus save you? Why did he save you? Why did he save us? Because we're Warnell Road Baptist Church? Because we've been on this corner for 100 years? No. Because our parents were Christians and our grandparents were Christians? No. Because we dress up for church, because we clean up our lives? No, because we cut out curse words out of our language or we started giving money to the church? No. Why did Jesus save you? Because in his love and grace, he simply chose to. End of sentence. Think about it. What would you do with almighty power? What would you do with unfathomable riches? What would you do with superiority that was righteous? What would you do with holiness that that would be defiled in the presence of sinners? What would you do with that if it were you? Would you turn to the lowly and the downcast and the sinner and the oppressed and the defiled and the unclean and the one who is helpless and weak and beside any hope? What would you do? Would you choose you? Jesus in his grace looked upon us in our helpless state. Bore the wrath. Took the cross. To bring us life. Why did Jesus save you? Because in his grace he chose to. Why did Jesus save us church? He saved us to show us grace and through his grace, make us his instruments of grace so that others might be saved. All of the Christian life is lived or meant to be lived, can be lived as a response to Jesus's grace. Everything you do, conceive of it as a response to his love for you. So if you're going to speak this week, speak because you're responding to the grace that sent someone to speak to you. If you're going to tell somebody about Jesus, tell them gratefully and cheerfully because you know someone told you about Jesus and it meant your life. If you're encountering suffering this week for the sake of Jesus' name, suffer with thankfulness that you get to be counted worthy to suffer for the sake of Jesus' name. Because the one who came and laid down his life and suffered for you is allowing you the privilege to walk in his way. And he's promised his grace and his strength and his presence with you every moment. Live your suffering as a response to his grace. 
and live your life open-handed to be willing because of his grace to go where he sends you. Church, let us be people who, who, are, who, are, who marvel regularly that Jesus would choose to show us grace. And it just makes sense to us that we would choose to let him take us where he wants to. That it would just be natural that we want Jesus to lead however he wants. Into this community, into this world, to the neighbor beside us to the family friend who's an enemy of Jesus, wherever he wants us to go, to the poor, to the oppressed, to the afflicted, wherever he would have us go. May it be a natural outflow of the grace he's shown us that we show grace to others. Where will you go now that Jesus has saved you? May it be our willing response, wherever Jesus, you will take us. And may that be the life of the response to his good and sovereign grace in our life. May that be the way by which Jesus shows to the world that he is a good and gracious king who saves in order to extend grace to even more. Let's pray. Father, to whatever, to whatever degree or extent, whatever place in our lives we needed to hear about your grace this morning, we pray that you would make your word preached effective to do what you set for it to do. We pray we would be people who marvel at your grace. And we pray for people outside of you this morning that they would be met by you and come to understand your saving grace in Jesus. We ask for you this for not only for our good and benefits so that we might be encouraged to see you operating in this way among us, but Lord, we pray even more because we want Jesus' name known. We want his name glorified. We pray that you would exalt his name among us and through us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.